everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of The Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And we haven't seen each other for a little while. Um, yeah, it seems like months again, I but know. it's just been probably, what, eight or nine days? Right, but yeah. we went from um, Book Expo, which we'll be talking about, where we spent 24 hours a day together. Yes. To Chris going off to Portland, Oregon, and me going off to Portland, Maine. So we couldn't get farther apart than that. <laughs> we were like the bi-coastal book cougars. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, buckle up, everybody, because we have a lot to talk we about today. We have a load of things. We have Book Expo, our trips, lots yeah. of goodness coming up. And then you wanted to recap an event you went to between our recordings, yes, and we'll definitely talk about that, but first... We have a lot to talk about, and just a reminder that we do have show notes yes. at bookcougars.com, so you know, if you start to get a hand cramp midway through this <laughs> podcast, feel free to put the pen down, and um, you can always check out the show notes. So I did, I had one little thing to report, which I know we, we don't have a lot of extra time, we're going to go long, but this cougar had a date over the weekend. <gasps> Woohoo! <laughs> All right. Yes, it went really well. And I, the only reason I'm sharing it with everybody is because he walked into my house and went directly to my bookcase and was perusing all of my books and pulled out Colin McCann's Let the Great World Spin mm-hmm. and said, oh, my God, Let the Great World Spin. I love this book. Colin McCann's one of my favorite authors. Have you read Transatlantic? And I wanted to look at him and say, like, will you marry me? <laughs> And I thought it might be too early for that. Yeah, but what a great start to a <laughs> oh date. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah it's like, nice. you speak my love language, mm-hmm. boyfriend. <laughs> so um, so that was really fun and exciting. And um, hopefully there's more to come on that. Awesome. Yeah. Very good. So um, Colin McCann, if you haven't read him, Irish writer, fantastic. So should we talk about what we've just read? Yeah, just read. You want to go first? Sure. I read um, a memoir called It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too, by Nora McInerney, and she has a podcast that's really worth checking out that's called Terrible Thanks for Asking. Um, she had a very tragic few months of her life where she lost a husband, a father, and a child, and um, she blogged a lot about her husband's illness. He had a very um, terrible form of brain cancer, and I, I thought that this book was actually just kind of, you know, how some people take their blog posts and make them into kind of a book of essays, but actually it's different than that, and it's, it's a true memoir of that time period in her life, and she's very conversational and familiar in her writing. She's hilarious, and it reminded me that, you know, in times in your life, and I've had some really tough times there's always a little black humor somewhere along the way, you know. And um, so it was very poignant. And um, it, the, the cover on the inside of the cover was the obituary that she and her husband wrote before his death. Wow. And the obituary, which I'll put this in the show notes, it kind of went viral because it was vi- the obituary was very funny also. Um, and it was just, I, I felt like the, the memoir and the obituary, they... They really looked death right in the eye, and yet, again, with tremendous amount of humor. So um, I highly recommend it. You will laugh. You will cry. It's called It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too by Nora McInerney. Well, uh, my most recent read, too, or one of them was an, an audio book, another memoir as well, um, Hillbilly Elegy. I read that, uh, or listened to it, I should say, J.D. Vance, who was also the narrator, and I thought he did a great job reading it, and I love the memoir bits, 
Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are calling it like social commentary as well. Um, the social commentary left me a little interested in learning more. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I love the memoir. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great memoir. But afterwards, and I found out too that like a lot of people were saying this is a book that people are going to to try and understand the last election and why so many people voted the way they did. And I didn't really, I didn't pick it up for that. I picked it up because so many people said it was a great memoir. Mm-hmm. And I could see why some people might be interested in, in reading it to understand political changes but I don't really I don't really it didn't satisfy that in me at all Mm -hmm. well it was partly because it's about Appalachia and even though it's it's not the south it's you know rural Kentucky and, and southern Ohio but I think that part of why that happened is because during I don't know if it was before the election or after Trump had won J.D. Vance was kind of on the television circuit and People went to him to try to understand, mm-hmm. you know, Appalachia, I guess, and the, you know, the the people in West Virginia. Because I think, like, the state of certain states really were overwhelmingly Trump, and so it was to kind of understand that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, he's also very well-connected, mm-hmm. J.D. Vance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that left me a little curious, too, wondering about his connections and his aspirations, mm-hmm. um, because he is a venture capitalist who works for a company that has ties to Trump, mm, and his wife also clerks for a Supreme Court justice. Mm. So I kind of think like, hmm, lots yes. of interesting connections. And deeper. he was mentored by um, Amy Chua. I, I'm not sure if I'm con- pronouncing her name correctly. She's the, the woman who wrote um, Tiger Mom, oh, or yeah, The Battle yeah, yeah. Hymn of the Tiger yeah. Mother, I think is the full name. Who is a lawyer, a uh, teacher lawyer at Yale, mm-hmm. and so he, she was one of his mentors at Yale. Hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I just get a little skeptical sometimes about memoirs when they say things really strongly that contradict themselves later. Mm-hmm. You know, like he talks about being in the Marines and how the Marines taught him to be an adult and to manage his money and his health and all these things and then in college and beyond all that goes to hell in a handbasket which is really quite true because you know you're in that contained environment and everything does hum along nicely because you have so much support mm-hmm. and then when you're out on your own it's like ah right um yeah so that's all i'm going to say for now but i really enjoyed the memoir yeah. i gotta say like it really engaged me i look forward to turning it back on every time i had the chance to listen yeah, and he reads it, which is great. Yeah. Well, you know, he was the um, commencement speaker at Center College, which is my son Jacob's alma mater, and there was a lot of hubbaloo about him um, being the speaker there because the some of the professors had done read-alongs with the students in the classes, and they objected to the way that he framed Appalachia. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't follow it very, very much, but... Um, yeah. So, and I I also think that he, when I read it, I thought, oh, we're going to see him. He's going to run for office. And, you know, that's a common thing now that we see is that people write a memoir and Mm -hmm. then they run for office. Exactly. And he did, he moved back to Ohio Mm -hmm. and he started a nonprofit that is in part helping to combat the opioid crisis. And yeah, so he'll definitely be running. He, He is a Republican and I know they... All both of the parties, I should say, the two main parties anyway, are always looking for a young talent mm-hmm. and nurturing that talent. Yeah. So we'll see. It'll yeah. be interesting because I think like the thing too, you know, you can't generalize any population. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, gay, straight, black, right. or Appalachian. You know, yeah. like it's a wide range of people there, and I think I could see how 
he might have gotten dinged by some of his representations. And I think, you know, like that he talks about that friend that he had who on Facebook announced, or well, in real life he quit his job because he was just tired of getting up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then later on Facebook he's bashing the Obama administration and saying, look what happened to me. The economy sucks. When it's like, hello, right. you quit your job. Right. Like, you know. Yeah. So yeah. like those kinds of contradictions within his own life and within the culture around him, I thought were interesting and quite, I think, true to, to life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But then you wonder, too, like, if these people are so either lazy or they have learned helplessness, as he talks about, did they even get up and vote? Right. Like, did they even bother? That's a good point. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to know what percentage of that area actually turned up at the polls. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, Chris, the, criti- the critical <laughs> reader that you are. I just read it and said, oh, that was really good. <laughs> and there were other things. I, I kind of kept a little bit of notes. I have a little spiral notebook in my car, so anytime I, I, I put a little note there, and I, I have no idea what happened <laughs> with that thing between all the trips, but I had some points written down. Uh, but I do look forward yeah. to, to seeing what he does. The next book I read was History of Wolves by Emily Fridland. And... Um, this book was, I really enjoyed it. it. It was a little dense and took me a while to get through. And I've been thinking about how to talk about it on the podcast. And then we went to the new R.J. Julia bookstore, which we'll talk about oh, in right. our in our Biblio Adventures. And they had a shelf talker for it. For those of you who don't know what a shelf talker is, it's those little pieces of paper that sit on in front of books on the bookstore shelves where a staff member has written, you know, a little little quick snippet about the book and so I thought I would just read to you what they wrote because it summed it up really well it says this book resists classification it's not purely a psychological thriller but it is psychologically thrilling yes it's literary but I would not describe it as literary fiction and while it's about Linda's coming of age it's unlike any coming of age novel I've ever read boiling with tension from the first page this one is a must read and that was written by their bookseller Brian and it is, it's true. It was like, it was one of those books as you're from the very beginning, you feel like something unpleasant is going to happen in this book. And it was, it was kind of suspenseful and thrilling. And it's not like, you know, a whodunit or a, you know, a, you know, a blood and guts or anything like that. It's just that it's one of those, it reminded me of when you're a kid and you go to someone's house and you know, something's not quite right at this house mm-hmm. and it's different from your home. And, you know, maybe you should be a little bit careful about the time you spend there so it has a little bit of um of a um a a line of christian scientists where you know there's you don't seek health care and i think that's all i'm going to say because i don't Mm want to ruin anything about it but um i i enjoyed it very much and i recommend that you read it history of wolves by emily fridland cool can I tell a funny story about talking about other people's houses? Please. So when I was a kid, we were at my sister's friend's house, and it was a dirty, messy house, like just not messy, dirty too. And we were there for the day because our parents were doing something, I don't remember. And the older sister says, do you all want a sandwich? I'll make us peanut butter, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And we're like, sure. So she makes me the sandwich, gives it to me, and I take a bite, and it's there's crunchiness in it. Mm. And I'm like chewing it, thinking like, oh, my God, like, there are bugs in this. There are cockroaches. <laughs> and then somebody said, isn't this new crunchy peanut butter good? And I was just like, oh, oh, thank 
god! Because crunchy peanut butter was a new thing, and you yeah. didn't have it. I in didn't your house know yet. it. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious, and it's very different, especially <laughs> if you eat like Jif, you know, and yeah. then you go to some natural crunchy oh, peanut butter. Crunchy peanut butter, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so. yeah and the food Funny. thing, the food thing is what can be really different when you go to other people's houses. Because I remember yeah. going to someone's house and having a tuna fish sandwich, and we didn't eat tuna fish mm-hmm. at my house. I yeah. don't know why. And I was like, "What is this very strong, odd?" <laughs> Situation on my piece of bread. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yes. <laughs> other right. people's homes. Other people's homes. So next up for me, I read Shiver Hitch by Linda Greenlaw. And I did as well. You did as well. Yeah. Awesome. It's uh, thank you to the publicist who saw us tweet about it and, and sent us advanced reader copies. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's a third entry in her Jane Bunker mystery series. And I think the last one was like nine years ago. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, so it's been a long wait, and I really enjoyed it. It's a, It takes place in the winter in frigid February up in Maine, so if you're looking to cool off this summer, <laughs> it'd be a great book to read in the summer. You know, yeah. psychologically might cool you down a bit. Yes. Yes, and I love Maine, so it was fun. It was like a little bit of a love letter to Maine, I Absolutely, thought. yeah. She, I think her writing is strongest when she's writing about Maine mm-hmm. and anything ship-related yes. and, and being on ship. There's a, a really powerful scene that happens mm-hmm. um, on, a sh- on a boat, so... Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of kind of, um, I guess, chase scenes, you would say, but, you know, scenes where, where they're going through a place and trying to get out, which I like that kind of stuff. I much mm-hmm. prefer that over blood and guts and, right, yeah. you know, blood splatter, as we've talked exactly, about. Exactly, yeah. And this book there, I mean, the the murder victim dies horrendously, but it's all off stage, yes. as they say. Yeah. And there's not excessive violence. There's no sex scenes mm-hmm. or anything like that. So yeah. it's pretty... Would you say PG kind it of book? It is. And, yeah. and you've, I, this is my first time reading her, but you've read mm-hmm. the other two in the yes, series, right? Yeah. And I felt like it was fine as a standalone. Absolutely. It yeah. really was. Yeah. Because some of the things I remembered character wise and other things, like I had no memory of, like I don't remember her having a brother. Okay. But who knows? It could right. just be my memory or it could be a new element she's added. Right. Yeah. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Linda Greenlaw, she, is well known for her the Lobster Chronicles. Is that yeah, what the it's Lobster called? Chronicles, and then the Hungry Ocean. I think was the her first, the Hungry Ocean. Okay. Um, and that was I think in like 1999 that book came out. And that's she was a, she captained a lobster boat. No, no. Well, at I, first it was the, yeah the swordfish swordfish boat. boat. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so I'm uh, very unusual for a woman. Yes. And um, so she does write really well about, she's obviously very familiar with being on a boat. Right, so any yeah. of the scenes in this book that took place in or around boats, you know. Yeah, were, she, she were nails it. Out. Yeah. And she was kind of, she kind of came into the public eye because of Sebastian Younger's, Younger's book, The Perfect Storm, right. which was made into a movie then. Linda Greenlaw captained the other swordfish boat that did not go down when the Andrea Gale did. Right. So she was the one in radio contact with them, right. but nobody could get to them. So in other words, she's a badass. She's a total badass. And her character has some big ovaries, too, yeah. because like, <laughs> she's out there yeah. like going on an island by herself to yeah. bring in a suspect and... Getting hypothermia. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, yeah, I was like, I would need backup. And I have to say, I chased, (laughs) I was just in Maine. I got back on Friday and I chased Linda Greenlaw. She outran me all the way through. I went to two different bookstores and she had just been there. And I really would have liked to have seen her. So. Yeah. Well, and you're going to miss her this week. I'll, yeah. She's going to be at RJ Julia Wednesday, yeah. which is two days from now. Um, 
So I'm planning on going, but I can't make it. Sadly, yeah. yeah. But I'm, so. I'm looking forward to a full report. I'll take notes. I know when we were up in Maine last year, I saw a woman uh, lobster boat captain. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, that's just like Linda Greenbaum. <laughs> Maybe it is. Yeah, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next book I have not completely finished, but it's one that I've been perusing, so I thought maybe I would mention it to everybody. It's called The Grand Central Baking Book. And this is a book that, um, a cookbook that my cousin gave me. Um, The Grand Central Bakery is in Portland, Oregon. And um, she sent it to me because she knows how much I like to bake. And when I went to Portland, which I've already reported on on the podcast, over the Mother's Day weekend, we actually got to go to the bakery. And I sat like a drooling idiot in the front of the store and then babbled to the cashier like, I cook from your cookbook and it's so exciting to be seeing this. <laughs> oh, and they were like, what do you want, lady? You know, But um, it's uh, written by Piper Davis and Ellen Jackson and it's a family-run bakery. I believe um, the mother started it and now Piper Davis is has taken over running of it. But they have kind of a rustic baking style that I really mm-hmm. appreciate. And it's, a, it's one of those cookbooks that I love to cook from. They have both savory and sweet recipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also really fun. I literally get in bed and read it because that's the kind of weirdo I am. Yeah, that's kooky. So I thought I would just <laughs> let you guys know about it. The Grand Central Baking Book by Piper Davis and Ellen Jackson. And I say kooky in the most loving way. Yes, because like right. I would just be getting up and going to the fridge <laughs> if I read cookbooks at night in bed. I would be like munch city. Uh, well, I just get up and cook and eat. That's what I do. <laughs> Do you have any? No, that's all I read. I'm I'm still working on my last currently reading, which will be this currently reading. I haven't had much time. Well, I have one more, which was Georgia by Don Tripp. And this is a book that I picked up when I was at the Newburyport Festival. And um, I got to see Don Tripp. And um, this is about the artist Georgia O'Keeffe. It's a fictionalized story. And it's uh, it's the early part of her career um, when she was in a relationship with Alfred Stieglitz, who's a very famous photographer, and he took a lot of photographs of her. So I, of course, had, was getting on Google as I was reading this book because they talk about, she would talk about, you know, this photo that he was shooting, and then I could get online and actually see it, which That's was cool. pretty cool. Yeah. And Georgia O'Keeffe, you know, he, he was a very well thought of artist and kind of controlled her career in a little bit. In, in a little a little bit, and she was really treated by the reviewers that uh, as a female artist and pushed really hard to have her art appreciated as an artist, mm-hmm. you know, and really um, pushed against, at the beginning of her career, pushed, you know, kind of, you don't have a choice, and when he would design her shows, she just had him hang the art that he wanted to hang and things like that, but then mm-hmm. slowly throughout her career she became more boisterous about what she wanted her career to look like and how she wanted to be perceived mm-hmm. as just an artist, not a female artist with yeah. pretty flower pictures, you know? Yeah. And then it also, so it mostly takes place during the time when she was living in New York, but then also when she does discover, you know, New Mexico. And so it talks a little bit about that. It's also very hot, and I mean that in a sexual way. So be prepared if you're reading this in bed next to your partner. <laughs> they had a lot of good sex, these two, and I think that was part of the draw that they had to, e- to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those really steamy, artistic relationships. So Don Tripp's a great writer. Um, it made me want to look at Georgia O'Keeffe's art and to go out to her, I think, the, I can't, is it called Ghost Ranch? I can't remember. That's terrible. Know. 
but they've made a museum out of um, the place where she did a lot of her art in, in New Mexico. Um, so it, it was a fun read. It was fast. Mm-hmm. And Don Tripp has a couple other books. So if you enjoy her writing style, you could, you could have a little Don Tripp reading fest. So again, that was Georgia by Don Tripp. So what are you currently reading? Currently reading, I'm reading the same book I was reading last episode, I believe, because <laughs> I, I put it down to read uh, Silver uh, Shiver Hitch, mm-hmm. the Linda Green law book we just talked about. So my current read is The Gypsy Moth Summer, mm. which is just out now. Um, Julia Fierro is the author, and I'm loving it. I'm just a little bit halfway through. I didn't have much time to read on this trip, mm-hmm. um, but there was one morning where I just woke up early, couldn't go back to sleep. Everyone else slept in, so I had a fire and coffee and read oh. with the beautiful view that is Cannon Beach right oh. outside my window. Um, nice. That was lovely. You know, I love novels where you feel like the characters are real people, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you kind of worry about them in that way. Yeah. And, and uh, Julia Fierro is a very talented writer, and that way it really resonates with me that these are like real people who I'm annoyed with or want to yeah take care of yeah, or whatever yeah. so i'm looking forward to see seeing where things go right now there's a lot of good tension and a lot of wondering what the heck is going on and who is scheming what nice so, it was all I will it's say. funny to say hear you say sitting in front of a fire it's it, in case you guys are hearing a little bit of that noise in the background we are again at our lovely craft room at the guilford library because it's 90 degrees outside here yeah, today very hot so we thought yeah. we would Get, get a little air conditioning. Yeah. So. Well, w- when I was in Oregon, it was, of course, rainy, which I love, but it was probably in the 50s, 60s. Mm, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And one, one of my friends, Mike Branch, who's a writer, he is back home in the Sierra Nevadas, and it snowed there. So oh, wow. he posted a picture of the snowiness and said his fire's crackling and everything. <laughs> wow. So a different yeah. experience for, <laughs> what is this, June 12th? <laughs> yeah, it's hot here, but it's supposed to cool off again. So. Yes, thankfully. Well, I'm currently reading an audiobook that I started on my way up to Maine. And um, this was sent to me by my dear friend, Shuli, who has a book coming out that we're yes. going to talk about soon um, in, a, in an upcoming episode. But it's a memoir called Mennonite in a Little Black Dress, a mm. memoir of going home by Rhoda Jansen. And... Um, just an aside, it's a it's a book on CD, which I haven't done mm. in a really long time. Mm-hmm. I get most of, actually, I get all of my audio from the library through OverDrive. And um, as you all know, I have confessed that I listened to it at 1.25. So I have to admit that I am really struggling with the pace of it. Like, it's making me feel angry. I, I, yeah. <laughs> which I know probably means I should start a little meditation practice. <laughs> But um, it's really slow, and I couldn't believe I went all the way up to Maine and back. And granted, I also listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff and took breaks, but Mm -hmm. I was only through two CDs with all that time. And if anyone knows a secret to playing CDs fast, give me a shout. um, I'm enjoying it. I'm not very far in, but um, what it's about so far is that she had um, a marriage that dissolved, um, and also she had a somewhat tragic car accident and so had to move back to her home where she was raised as a Mennonite in order to um, convalesce from Mm -hmm. her injuries so that's about as far as I've gotten so I will talk more about it assuming that 
I get 500 hours of driving in my car to listen to it since it's going to take me forever oh, to get geez. through the CDs. Yeah. Do you ha- I have a Walkman. I did play oh. CDs if you want to borrow that so you could listen Man, on that's a walks. term from the past, isn't well, it? Well, you know what? We purchased it not too long ago, actually, for Walking on the Treadmill. Oh. For some books, like, I, I don't know. Because, like, mm. Laura tends to watch shows mm-hmm. on the treadmill, and I like to read. I'll, so I'll listen to an audio book. Yeah. You know what? I probably got it for audiobooks because I had canceled my subscription to Audible, mm-hmm. but then I started that again. So that little Walkman thing is just collecting dust. Yeah. So I'll let you know. Yeah. I might just throw it through the window. We'll see. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, it probably would be good if I could walk and listen. I probably could tolerate that more than sitting and listening, mm-hmm. but we'll yeah. see. I can also put it in my computer, I suppose. And That's true. It, you so. could do that. Yeah. Absolutely. So we have a boatload of Biblio adventures. Biblio adventures. I forgot even about some things. I forgot that we went to the new RJ Julia store. That's crazy. Well, I'm going to start with the uh, gala event that I went to in New York that I think I was heading to the last day we recorded. Yes. I, ta- I, I gave you guys a little kind of sneak peek. So this is um, an organization in New York that's very well thought of that's called Girls Right Now, and that's W-R-I-T-E, Girls Right Now. You can look at their website, which is girlsrightnow.org. And what they do, it's a mentor-mentee program for disadvantaged young women where they're partnered with um, a professional writer um, in many different ways. You know, it can be a journalist or, you know, just a a fiction writer or, you know, um, screenwriter. And um, they mentor and mentee each other where they meet weekly and actually um, they work on writing. That's great. And other, I'm sure other life, you know, skills get Mm -hmm. mixed in there. But um, so this was where they they give awards to some people and it's a fundraising event. And I have to say, as someone who has studied philanthropy, these folks run a good organization. And it was a very well-run event. And the folks that they were honoring were um, Zadie Smith, Sophia Amoroso, Melissa Harris-Perry, Alana Glazer, and Abby Jacobson. And um, most of you probably know who Zadie Smith is. She's a very well-thought-of writer. She's written On Beauty and White Teeth teeth, and a a host of others. Sophia Amoroso um, wrote the book Boss Girl. I guess she's very well-known for starting a clothing company, Mm -hmm. which she sold for a lot of money. And now, actually, she said at at this event that it's gone under. I think it was called Nasty Girl or something like that. And but now there's also a Netflix um, show based on Boss Girl, and then Melissa Harris Perry is a very well thought of um, writer that runs um, a writing center out of a university that's escaping me right now. She was brilliant when she spoke. I think it's the Maya Angelou Center actually. How oh, I forgot that oh. I don't know. She just had a piece in the New York Times, an op-ed in the New York Times about the NAACP that I'll link to in the show notes. It was very interesting. And then Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson are the writers, the female duo who write the show Broad City, which is a very funny comedy about these young 20-somethings in New York City, um, loosely based, very loosely based on their lives. But they're really, you know, kind of shaking it up in the comedy world because it's hard for women to make a go of it. Yes, it is. You know, at Comedy Central. And I... I'm a huge fan of theirs, and there was a moment where this was kind of took place in a restaurant, so it was, we were very close to all the award winners. I mean, I was 
sitting this close to Sadie Smith as I am to you for a minute. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, I couldn't open my mouth because I was <laughs> in awe of her. Um, and then I walked behind. They were interviewing Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson. And I walked right behind them. And I was I desperately wanted to, like, say something funny to yeah. them as if I rate to say something funny to the two of them. But um, it was really fun. They all um, spoke very highly about, you know, writing in general and some of their experience as female writers and also really encouraged the mentees that were there with their writing. And one of the things I loved about the event, I was very hopeful that some mentees would be part of the programming, and they were. Oh, right. They came out and spoke. They gave some of the awards. They shared their experiences as mentees. And one of the bragging rights that this organization has is that 100% of the mentees go to college, which is pretty darn good, Mm -hmm. you know. So... I, you know, I don't know the inner workings of the organization. I can tell you from what I experienced at this fundraiser that it's very well run. They have a good success rate. If you're looking for a place to give a little donation, I would highly recommend it. They also have, and um, we were lucky enough to be given um, as people who attended an anthology that they put out every year of, of the, the young women's writing. So I'll, I will note that in the show notes as well. So, girls, right now, it was a fun yeah, evening in New great. York. Yeah, and then I think we went to the R.J. Julia. R.J. Julia has a new sister store near the Wesleyan campus in yeah. Middletown. In Middletown, Ohio. Connecticut. I mean, Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, it's actually it's the Wesleyan bookstore by R.J. Julia. I okay, think is their handle. Okay, because I do know they have a Facebook page now. I haven't looked since I've been back to see if their website is up, but. It okay. is the yeah the university bookstore and they had another bookstore that was kind of a couple blocks away from Main Street and they've long wanted to have a bookstore on Main Street both the town and I think maybe Wesleyan itself because it's just a couple blocks yeah you know I would, yeah. it's kind of one of those integrated campuses although it has its own spaces too mm-hmm. it seems very integrated yeah. into the community so it's right on Main Street. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful. store yeah. yeah it's so beautiful they have outdoor seating for the cafe. That wasn't open the day we went. We went, what, a few days before the grand opening. Mm-hmm. and But the food looks delicious. It's all organic, yeah. meat, vegetables. Um, it looks like they're going to have some family-style serving options right. or individual mm-hmm. options as well. So we'll have to go back for a Definitely. taste test. Yeah, Definitely. and the bookstore has a lot of natural light, which is really nice. It yeah. has a lot of space for sitting, including outdoor seating in the front, which is really kind of cool. Yeah. And um, the restaurant, we should say, is owned and operated by Ray Allen, who's a famous yeah. basketball player. And our current claim to fame is as we were walking out the door, we held the door for Ray Allen yes. as he was coming in. So go <laughs> yeah. book cougars. Yeah. And it's a, it's a two-level store, which mm-hmm. is great. So upstairs is fiction. They have a kid's center. They have their first story time, I think, already. Mm-hmm. And there's a section for... Wesleyan alumni books mm-hmm. that have been written and current yeah. professors. And there's some some famous alumni like um, Lynn Manuel Miranda mm-hmm. of Hamilton fame is an alumnus. And I think Amy Bloom. Amy Bloom, so Mary they, Roach. So they had little banners with those people's faces on it. And mm-hmm. I know when I was posting a picture, we went with John Valerie, who's the Hartford book examiner. Um, so there was a picture of the three of us I was posting, and when I was tagging it, like some of their faces popped up as potential tags, which I thought was funny. <laughs> and hilarious. I was like, oh. um, yeah. And then downstairs, they'll they have nonfiction down there, 
more soft seating, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. And then the textbooks will be there. And there was also a little corner of like school slash office supplies. Right. So yeah, really nice store. Very and nice. then after that, we went to the Russell Library in Middletown to do get a little work done, which a was a lovely, done, yeah. beautiful, one of those classic New England libraries where it has an old part of like the original building and then two different two different yeah additions throughout so you can kind of see the architectural style how it changed over the course of the years between the editions right yeah that was pretty cool yeah they had these beautiful desk lamps on the table so we were seemed to be original yeah it's what 1885 i don't remember now i can i can see that i'm trying to visualize this cornerstone with the date i can't yeah, really see I it but remember. beautiful yeah. stained glass yeah. in the original library yeah it was a really yeah. fun day and then i the only other th- i think let's see i have um adventures biblio adventures to talk about in maine do you have anything yeah. uh, should i go with that or did you have something else to talk about oh no, no book, book expo, expo. <laughs> It's too big for your mind to I grasp. know. My mind is so blown by our three days in New York at Book Expo. That's Book hilarious. Expo. Yeah, let's talk about Book Expo, shall yeah, we? Yeah, we shall. Wow, it was amazing. Buckle up, everybody. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we had a great time. We thank you to Aunt Ellen for letting us stay at her place, yeah. which was lovely. And we should say, I, I want to pat us on the back because... When Chris and I sat down in December, we set a goal for ourselves. Or we said, let's set a goal. What do we let's want goal, this yeah. podcast to be? And we had two goals. The first goal was to have fun, mm-hmm. which I can say we with a resounding fun. yes, <laughs> we were having a lot of fun. And the second was to try to get into Book Expo as media. Yes. As the did. Book Cougars. Yes. And we did. We did. We applied and they accepted us with media badges. So that was a great experience. Yeah. To, to have our first goal come true. Yes. Now now we're thinking about what is our next goal. Right. So. Yeah. We're yeah. aiming high. We think maybe like, you know. All expenses paid trip to Australia to look at little free libraries. Exactly, that yeah. would be good. Yeah, <laughs> we'll yes. see what we can work or, out. Or passes to the Frankfurt Book Fair. Oh, that would be good. And yeah. plain and plain fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dare to dream. Dare to so dream. So far, it's you working. You never know. Yes, right. We're still having fun. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. So BEA Book Expo actually is a, as it's called now. I think yeah. it used to be referred to as BEA Book Expo America. I think they're trying to get people to say Book Expo now. To make it more internationally flavored, do you think? I'm not sure because uh, I'm not sure if it's because of the public interest in okay. it now because that's why they started BookCon, okay. which is right after. I'm yeah. not really sure, but BEA, I don't know. Maybe they just wanted the word book yeah. presented more. And it's it's for industry people. It's also uh, there are a lot of librarians there. As a matter of fact, as soon as we walked in, I saw this woman and I was like, God, I feel like I know that person. And I'm <laughs> I'm just digging as deep as I can in my very addled brain, which I can't always dig very deep. And finally, I realized she's the librarian here at the Guilford Library that sits up at the reference desk mm-hmm. that I see all the time. <laughs> but I just, yeah. you know, I was in one of those out of context things. Exactly. So. Yeah. And a lot of the big publishers are there as well as little publishers. Yes. And, and there's a lot of work going on, which yeah, surprised me. A lot of orders going on. Mm-hmm. And, and we met somebody who was looking for an agent, mm-hmm. um, an international guy. He was from, he was from Germany. He, he spoke German, Polish, and English. And he has a, a YouTube channel in all three languages, nice. or one for each language. Yeah. So he was there looking for an agent for the book he's been working on. Yeah, and then they had some media people, and and I, uh, 
Did they? Did you run into anybody else with the media pass? I'm trying to think. I didn't. No, neither. No, I did not. Because I was wondering, like, if it was other podcasters or book reviewers, bloggers. Well, when you go, you could go onto the website and see who all the media people were, and there was a mixture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Different. Different things. Good. But it is a book extravaganza. I think it should be be called book extravaganza, actually. It's huge. I mean, it's in the Javits Center mm-hmm. in New York City, and that is gargantuan. And this, it's in three different halls, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of walking. I have no idea how much. I have a Fitbit, mm-hmm. and my goal is always 10,000 steps a day. I think I did probably thirteen to 15,000 steps each yeah, day. Yeah. We were there. Lots of authors. They have a complete, you know, they have authors there constantly signing books. Either Some of them are sitting at their publishers signing books. Some of them, there's kind of one section that's just literally has corrals, corrals whatever those yeah. things are called, mm-hmm. that people just line up. And, get the you know, signed, yeah. yeah. And um, tons of ARCs, so lots of books that aren't out yet. ARCs are advanced reader copies. Right. And we call them ARCs. Yeah. And they have, they're very organized. I mean, they have people standing with, signs showing what the you know the next author is and they give you these little cards to get in order to get in line to yeah. get your book signed which is really smart because that they're numbered mm-hmm. so they know when they might be running out right of arc so people are not standing in line to only get up there right be <laughs> sad yeah happens um and i mean there were some authors there that signed books for an hour and a half mm-hmm. you know i mean that's a long line um, but it was really fun. We both, we had gotten some insider tip from Ann Kingman. Thank you, Ann. Thank you so much, Ann, <laughs> which was to bring a rolling suitcase and you can check it. There's a bag check. And then each day we just would refill our rolling suitcase instead of having to schlep our books back and forth and back and forth yes. to Aunt Ellen's. So that was really nice. We did have to schlep them back to Kentucky, <laughs> Connecticut. <laughs> Boy on the brain. Back to Connecticut. Um, I walked around my house for, I'm sorry, you guys. I said a little sidebar. I walked around my house for 10 minutes this morning. My 500 square foot house looking for my stapler, which was sitting by my computer. So, yes, that's what happens when Emily goes on a date. She loses her mind. Okay, so. And she's blushing, listeners. (laughs) Just so you know, she is blushing. Okay, moving on. Um, Yes, we had to get our books back to Connecticut. And there were a lot. There were a lot of books. And I should say, we were very disciplined in the beginning. Yes. (laughs) Day one. Day three was how the handbags. We were only going to take books that we were truly interested in reading. Like, I want to sit down and read this now. Right. And some of the books we shared, like, we just took one copy and then we'll share together. Yeah. Um, Towards the end. Bring it down. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, and we saw Jamie Ford. Yes. So those of you who've been to Booktopia, yeah, um, or in the book industry in general, I know he does a lot of events. Yeah, he's so sweet. Yeah, so you know you could check out his website and see where he might be. His new book, Love and Other Consolation Prizes, I think is what it's called. Yeah, That's, it's a it's a it's short stories, I believe. But yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to reading that. I did get a signed copy. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jamie. Yes. Casey happens to be listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should say, because I got a phone call from my sister 
Chris posted a picture of me with a big boo-boo on my hand, and I had to go find first aid at the Javits Center, which is in the inner, inner sanctum, I'm here to say. But my sister called and said, do I have to wait for the next episode to find out what happened to you? So if anyone is extremely worried and concerned, I slipped and fell on the way out of my house because I was running excitedly to catch the train. And my it's a little... Um, tenuous to get in and out of my house because there's a boulder you have to traverse and it was a rainy day and I was carrying 500 things including my keys in my hand I slipped and fell and sliced my hand open I'm fine I just wanted to go and get a little hydrogen peroxide on it because I couldn't stop I had to there was no way I was missing my train to book (laughs) expo so that's just a little aside but we we also saw the other thing they have during book expo is um like little breakout sessions. Yeah, panels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the first one we went to was uh, the Adult Editor's Buzz panel. Right. And that was, uh, wow, like a, I don't even know the right word to, to use, but like the star panel of editors who have edited so many of the top selling books from the last 10, 15, 20 years. There were how many authors? Six. Editors. Six, six. editors who presented six books. And just to, to tell you how what star power they had, one of the editors was, like, googly-eyed. He's, yeah. Before he started talking, he said, I can't believe I'm up here with these people. So. Yes, yeah. So the books were Unraveling Oliver by Liz Nugent. Uh, this is a story about a sociopath, a tormented hero, who you come to love, apparently. Um, it is uh, the Irish crime novel of the year, and that is just coming out in the United States her next book is currently a hit in Ireland, too. I didn't write down the title of that. And that is from Scout Press. And did you say the author? Liz Nugent. Oh, you did. Liz think, Nugent, yeah. yeah. Uh, the next book is Stay With Me by Oibami Edebeo. I'm not sure if I slaughtered that. I apologize. This is from Knopf. Mm-hmm. It's a debut novel, and it is a story about polygamy, re- reproductive rights, it's the one that Anne talked about mm-hmm. in a prior episode, Anne Kingman, and, and uh, Russell, to mm-hmm. our friend who was at... Ink and Paper Blog. Ink and Paper Blog. Uh, both love that, love this book. But it's, um, it's, one of the editors said, too, it's the lies that couples tell one another to stay in love mm-hmm. when they're in an extreme situation like this couple is. So I do look forward to reading that. And this writer, her first writing teacher was... Chimamanda Adichie. Mm. So, talk about mentoring. Yeah. Uh, the third book is My Absolute Darling by Gabrielle Talent with two L's. It looks like T A L L E N T. Um, that could just be my phonetic spelling. Yeah. <laughs> Check the show notes. Check the show notes uh, from Riverhead Press. And this is a story about Turtle. Uh, she's a young girl. Uh, the editor says, this will renew your faith in the transformative power of reading. Mm, that is a statement. Sounds, yeah, that sounds good. The fourth book, The World Tomorrow by Brendan Matthews. And this is a really well-drawn memoir. No, that's not memoir. It's not a memoir. It's from Little Brown. Mm-hmm. Really well-drawn something about the vitality of New York City. And I think it takes place... During the World's Fair? I might have that yeah. totally wrong. I don't remember. It sounded really good, though. Yeah. It said, like, if you're tired of books about New York City, let go and read this book. Yeah. They said it will it will blow you away. Yeah. Number five was The Immortalist by Chloe Benjamin from Putnam Books, and that is the one that 
Michael Kindness is an evangelist for. Right. And that is the one where there's siblings, five siblings who go to... Like a fortune a teller? fortune teller, yeah, to, to find out. They find out when they're all going to die. Right. And so this story is about each of their experiences through life, having that information. And I guess the stories build on each other is kind of how it works. Yeah. And then the, and they all kind of come together a little bit. But one of the things is it's a book that demands to be discussed. And I think that's what Michael said. He's like, oh, my God, this book doesn't come out until, like, January, and I right. need to talk about, right. talk about it now. Yeah. Um, so that is something to look forward to. And then the last window, uh, the last window, the last <laughs> book presented was The Woman in the Window, by A.J. Finn. And this is, a, the narrator is an agoraphobic person, a drinker and an addict who separated from her husband and son. Ironically, knowing that information, she is a reliable narrator right. who starts to doubt herself. And I guess it's a, a noir for the new millennium is what they said. It's very twisty and turny. And that is the one, it's from uh, William Morrow Books, and A.J. Finn is the pen name for an editor at oh, William right. Morrow. And he didn't tell anyone he was writing a book. Right. And he submitted it under a pen name. And the editor who, who first picked it up was like, oh, my God, I love this book. I love this book. And there was so much buzz about it. And, you know, who is this person? And when they found out it was one of their colleagues, they were like, what? Yeah. Like, like, literally <laughs> two desks over. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, uh, I thought we were friends. Right. <laughs> go out to lunch all the time and you never mentioned it yeah that's a great story yeah so 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 the point of this panel was kind of it was filled with you know booksellers and librarians and it was to kind of generate buzz so these are supposed to be the hot books coming out some of them come out as early as september two of them don't come out till january January, yeah so but they're really trying to build buzz for these books they're books that editors really stand behind and Mm -hmm. are doing everything they can to push it and, and get booksellers and librarians excited so what we're going to do, I haven't discussed this with my co-captain here, but um, in the show notes I will put what their release dates are mm-hmm. so you guys can kind of put them on your TBRs, but we also might give some away mm-hmm. as we finish them. Yes. So more to come on some that. Come you on might now. get a sneak peek. Yes. So that was our first panel. So in between walking around, looking at books, and just generally being overwhelmed, <laughs> we had uh, a wonderful time with this panel and I should say, this panel got a little uh, weird at the end because they had advanced reader copies to give away of each of these titles, and they stacked them all on one table in the back. Right. So imagine a huge room full of people who have to go to one table And we should say it was books. standing room only, too. It Chris was, and I yes. were sitting on the floor. Yeah, we yeah. sat on the floor. It was, yeah. a, it was really a packed situation, so... Um, one of the headlines I saw from, I don't know if it was the New York Post or some paper was, you know, like panel creates a frenzy among booksellers or whatever. <laughs> it's like, no, it wasn't a frenzy. It was bad planning because yeah. like, you know, yeah, it was a melee in the back and Chris <laughs> yeah. and I, who are so tall, you know, I, know. I mean, it was like, we, I just, I just kept saying there was this tall guy in front of me and people were handing stacks of overhead. Yeah. You know, no, yeah. Hand over hand. And I would just tap him on the shoulder and say, can I have one? Yeah. Can I have one? Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't manage to get a copy of all of them. But we got, I want to say, I think four, we got most of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so, you know, hire a bookseller to plan the uh, choreography yeah. of how that giveaway line exactly. should work next year. But it was yeah. a really stimulating panel mm-hmm. and got me excited about all of the books. Yeah, yeah. And then the next panel, I think, was the next day you went to, or no, we went to one. We went to one that was um, co-hosted by a Book Expo and Pen America. Mm-hmm. It was about uh, the First Amendment. First Amendment resistance is what this panel was going to talk about and it was about um in the age of fake news what responsibilities do publisher have do publishers have when it comes to books by controversial writers you know professing an unpopular opinion so it was about the first amendment it was moderated by brooke gladstone who is from on the media mm-hmm. zoe quinn was one of the panelists mm-hmm. and she was the target of Gamergate. Mm-hmm. She was severely harassed and threatened, and her father was as well. Patrice Cullors, who's one of the founders of Black Lives Matters. John Poderetz. He was, he was a speechwriter for, for Bush and Reagan or something. Ra- yeah, yeah not maybe Nixon. Nixon. I can't well, who remember. Knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Scott Turow, writer and lawyer Scott Turow, were all on the panel together. And it we were excited about it, but I, I kind of feel like the panel lost its way. It became mm-hmm. a conversation about Milo, Yiannopoulos, mm-hmm. yeah. which was unfortunate because mm-hmm. there's so much more to talk about mm-hmm. than with that. Mm-hmm. There's so many terms flying around that, that weren't being defined, so I think people were using terms interchangeably, mm-hmm. which diluted the conversation. And the, I think they just... And for, we should back up and say that that's the author that was given a huge... Advance like a quarter of a million dollars by Simon and Schuster. He's very controversial in his rhetoric and hate speech. Eventually, they and one of the ironies that came up in this panel is they gave him that advance without actually he hadn't written he anything, hadn't written anything yet. yeah. And so that was part of the conversation. And I feel like they only had an hour, and they bit off a lot more than they could chew. Right in that, yeah. And they were really jumping around a lot. Um, and the thing is, too, like he's not even like a writer, right? You know, he's a he's a like a shock jock kind mm-hmm. of person. And I know he supposedly wrote for Breitbart. Maybe he does do some of his own writing. But there was also a corral of writers who wrote under his name. Oh, I didn't know. That. Is one of the things that was mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, like, is he even truly a writer mm-hmm. or a personality who is making his name on hate speech? You know, when you talk about First Amendment, you know, what about intention? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Scott Turow kind of <laughs> made everything come to a screeching halt because they were talking about the publishing industry and. You know, the publisher did stop it. They did pull it. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of did come to their senses. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, they decided not to publish it because they were going to lose money. Right. Let's because, be clear. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people like to talk about the publishing industry as being a lofty industry, mm-hmm. that it is about the First Amendment, that it is about democracy and freedom and everything. And Scott Troll's like, it's a business. Right. And it is a business. Mm-hmm. And some publishers and people within the industry may have lost lofty goals and, and high standards, but it is ultimately a business. Right. And that's why they first made a contract with Milo, and then again why they ended that contract. Right. But in the middle, you know, you had people like Roxanne Gay who pulled her book from that publisher in protest. Right, to make a statement. To make a statement. And Scott Turow was great because he's a lawyer, yeah. you know, and he... <laughs> 
he did a lot of lawyerly talking that yeah. made a lot of sense, you know, but also lawyers have a great way of kind of giving non-answers to questions. Right. So, yeah. So it was, okay. you know, I think part of the issue was, like, I would have liked to have heard a lot more from, um, I don't know how to say her name, Patrice Colors. Colors, mm-hmm. you know, brilliant woman and very interesting. And there just wasn't enough time for each person to speak really yes. well. And um, Well, one thing that she said at the very end when they were wrapping up, and she said, you know, what we needed to start talking about in the beginning was power and privilege. Mm-hmm. That would have been a good way to frame the whole conversation. Right. Like there, it's like there was no framework for the right. conversation. And I think in a different environment, I don't even know if it was the environment. No, I think it was, it was the, the moderator and the time. The time, yeah. 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 So that panel kind of fell apart. Yeah. But it, it then had you went to a great panel the next moments. day that I didn't go to because I was on the hunt for some books. Yeah. Yes. And you were hunting for a couple for me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the next day um, I went to one called Book Reviews: The Diversity of Race, Ethnicity, and Sexual Orientation. And this was a panel that was very well organized and on point. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes to these panels. So you can at least um, see some bios of the main characters and their contact information. This one was moderated by uh, Shelly Diaz, who has worked in um, children's publishing from licensing to book scouting. I won't say her whole bio here, but she was really on point. Even The section takeaways, they even had bullet points oh, on what nice. attendees could expect to come away with. See, well organized. That was yeah, yeah. very well organized. Um, the speakers were Vicki Smith, who's the children's and teens editor of, at Kirkus Reviews, mm. Anastasia Stacy Collins, who is a liaison librarian at the Simmons College Beatley Library, and then Hannah, they didn't li- list her last name. Um, she's the operations director of Word Bookstores in Jersey City, and also she does a podcast. She writes for Book Riot and co-hosts the post-racial, post-gender, and post-podcast podcast, mm. which I haven't listened to <laughs> yeah. yet, but I plan on it. Up. Oh my gosh, all of these panelists were superb, and mm. I could have listened to them talk all day. I really enjoyed all of them. Um, one of the things that Vicki Smith said is that Kirkus Reviews, I forget what year they started doing this, but they made the executive decision to make sure every review points out any type of diversity that's happening within the book. Because you don't mm. always know about that reading the jacket, mm-hmm. um, if there is diversity within the book. And then how that diversity is presented. One of the concepts that I got really excited about, which makes perfect sense to me, is that they look at books as either a mirror book or a window book when it comes to issues of diversity. So a mirror book is for somebody who sees themselves reflected in the book. Mm -hmm. So like think of a young person reading, you know, a book about a LGBT character or you know, a person of color, if they're a person of color or LGBT or questioning you. Mm -hmm. So they can see themselves as an actor in the world. And then a window book is giving somebody a view into someone else's Mm -hmm. world, you know, to kind of help, help them understand the diversity or a diversity and maybe have, build compassion, build understanding. Right. So I really like that distinction yeah, in that. books. I, you know, this yeah. is geared towards kids in YA, but that definitely is something that crosses the board. Sure. So um, ableism is another ism that they talked about. One of the things I liked, and, and I don't remember which reviewer talked about that, but she said in some of her earlier reviews, 
she totally wasn't even aware of ableism. Talking about characters in a way that kind of excludes somebody who is disabled or otherwise abled or, okay. you know, has a disability of some kind. So she says, you know, or non-disabled. Um, what I liked about what she had to say is that, you know, looking back at her early reviews, she kind of cringes at some of them, but it's the learning mm. process, you know, yeah. and that we're all learning and that it's it's much better to talk with people than just yell at people. Mm. And so they, they try to be inclusive in their reviews and also point out, you know, epic fails on mm-hmm. some people's part because there is a movement. As we talked about, the book industry is an industry. It's a business. And publishers want to take advantage of the interest in diversity books. And so now you have people who are not coming from those traditions or backgrounds writing about these types of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, they don't always hit the mark. Right. Sometimes it can... Just maybe miss the mark. Sometimes it could be offensive as hell. So they talked about that as well. Wow. Lots of great food for yeah, thought. I mean, yeah. I, I You wish... were pumped up after that panel, for sure. I was yeah. sorry that I missed it. And one of the things I really liked at the beginning, when I walked in, they had a screen up with a quote from Bell Hooks that says, the quote is, being oppressed means the absence of choices. Mm. And I thought that is a great definition of what oppression is yeah. the absence of choices for sure that's wonderful yeah. yeah and and you I mean you could look at that um in so many different ways and there's actually another thing another link we'll put in from this panel that was mentioned um the anti-oppression web tool from simmons college which is a self-education tool about issues of diversity oh fantastic. so we'll definitely put that yeah. in there and uh stacy one of the panelists is the one who created that and she also updates it so oh, very yeah. good Check it out. Excellent. Yeah, that was a really great panel. And it was, you said that it was a full, full crowd listening to You them, know what? Right? It wasn't totally full. Oh, it wasn't. No, but it was, it was well attended okay. for sure. And then the big, <gasps> we saw the big kahuna. We did. <laughs> we, we Go for it. Well, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Yes. And in conversation with, which they hadn't announced, Cheryl Strayed. <laughs> Cheryl Strayed, the it author. Was, yeah. It was perfect timing because we, you know, we had the media passes and you had to get tickets for Hillary. Mm-hmm. And they had said, with a media pass, if there's room, they might let you in. So we had just finished our floor walking for the day. And we were going back to our bags. As Emily mentioned, we had them stored. And we put our haul from the day. And we walked out. And we were just going to go to the restroom. And right there was the end of the line for Hillary's event. People had started lining up like an hour beforehand. Right. And we looked, and there were, like, two people walking in, and we heard them say media badge or something. And we're like, should we go? So we ran over there, and they're like, yeah, you can get in. Come on in. Just put your name down in your affiliation. Which was hilarious. I looked at Chris. I'm like, are you putting the New York Times? Like, what are you putting? (laughs) Book Cougar. So now, if anybody reviewed that, maybe Hillary did. And now she's aware of the Book Cougars. Anyway. So we were the last two people in, and it was a great conversation. They... And like Emily said, they didn't announce that it was Cheryl Strayed. So when they said that, like the whole room cheered and got excited. There was a gasp. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it was really cool. But she was a really good interviewer. She was. She asked really great questions and gave Hillary the space to answer them. And, you know, it was all based on books, Mm -hmm. starting with Hillary's new book that she's working on, which is a memoir slash collection of essays that she's writing about her experience on the campaign. Mm Mm-hmm. And she said she's trying to be very blunt and honest about things. Pulling back the curtain. Pulling back the curtain, yes. Um, And she said, 
you know, when she was, people, I don't know if Cheryl said something about how wild things were. Right. <laughs> there are a lot of jokes going on that maybe Hillary's book could be titled Really Wild. Right. You know, <laughs> it was very funny. Wild book. But yeah, and Hillary said, God, there are so many crazy things on that campaign. She's like, I forgot yeah. how many crazy things happen until she's, you know, writing the book and remembering things and probably looking at articles and, and whatnot. But she said, if you want to know what was going through my mind that night on the stage during that debate where somebody was hovering in the background, she's like, you'll read about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think it's coming out in September. Yes. I'm pretty the fall sure that's sometime. what they said. Yeah. yeah. And then she also has a book coming, another book coming out that's based, I mean, she wrote a book called It Takes a Village yes. in 96, I want to say. Yeah, 96, 97-ish, yeah. maybe, yeah. Um, and that's coming out as a YA version in the fall as well. Yeah, isn't right? it going to be a picture book? Maybe. Oh, oh maybe a, a younger, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. And maybe. she wrote that book, and I forgot about how crazy the times were back then. But she wrote that book, It Takes a Village, in response to, to Newt Gingrich saying that poor people's kids should be put in orphanages. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and that was like the last draw on what these crazy politicians were talking about, welfare mothers and welfare queens and poor people in general. Right. So, so that she, book was her response to that, and so she's bringing it out again. Mm-hmm. Because it's quite, yeah, the timing is timely right. yeah. again. I mean, it's always timely, but yeah. it's and a little bit heightened. Yes, and she, I have to say, she looked great. Mm-hmm. And she, um, Cheryl did ask her, you know, like how she, how she kind of convalesced and recuperated yeah. after the big loss, and she said through reading, through reading, yes, yeah. reading mysteries in particular. Yeah, she said it was lovely to read about a problem that she didn't have to solve. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Yeah, and who did she read? She read Louise Penny. Didn't I write down? I thought I wrote down who she read. She definitely, I, sh- I know she said Louise Penny. I don't remember. Yeah, she she read three writers mainly, yeah. uh, or at least their series. She mm-hmm. was talking about them. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, so, you know, some of the things she said, like, we, we need to be more alert as a nation, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the, the Russia connection. Right. And movements within our own country. She also took the um, remaining funds from her campaign and formed, I hope you wrote it down because I'm not remembering, Onward Together, I think. I didn't write that down, but yes. I'm I think pretty that's sure it. that's what it's called. Yeah. Onward Together, which is an organization that's going to focus on local actions. Camp- yeah. yeah, local actions and campaigns, yeah. I believe. Because one of the things she said with this book, too, is she's really trying to think of actionable concrete things people can do because she said everybody wants to do something Mm -hmm. in response to what's going on in the country so she's really trying to give people as i said actionable things that people can do you know and that we can't give up especially now like you know this assault that's going on in our country on truth and reason Mm -hmm. um we all need to step up and do something with that and she's what did she just read she just read jersey brothers by sally mott i think was the author i'm not sure about that one of her favorite books from childhood was uh, the brothers Karamazov. Yeah, yeah. That's a big Russian. That's a, yeah, term, I haven't right? read that. Yeah. I haven't either. Yeah. And she also talked about the big short. And then she's not going to be, she didn't, she didn't know what she's doing next. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't know, but she did call herself. She said she's definitely going to be doing something to support the resistance because she's a quote congenital organizer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I really like. Well, that. and then she did talk about this onward together thing. So yes. I think that will be yeah. probably her focus at some point. Yeah. But, um, 
I don't think she, I don't know if she's running that or just founded that. Yeah, I'm not I'm really not sure. sure. But she, yeah. she, like Emily said, she looked great. She looked relaxed. Yeah. She was pleasant and funny, yeah. and it was just a great conversation. And she got a lot of applause yeah. throughout her talk, and definitely a standing ovation. Yeah, at the end, it was. We were very glad to be there. We were so glad to be there that when when they said we could go in, we both remember what the story was. We were heading to the bathroom at the time. <laughs> And we were like, is there time for us to go to the bathroom? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. like the door literally hit me in the ass. Yeah, exactly. As we walked yeah. in. Yeah, we got very lucky. <laughs> it was a very special evening, so. Yeah. It totally was. And then the next day we went and saw Al Franken in conversation with Mark Marin. Yes. And Al Franken is um, a past comedian who's now a senator from Minnesota in his second term. Mark Marin is a podcaster and comedian who also does have a book out, which I'll look up. Al Franken's new book is called Giant of the Senate. And um, as you might imagine with these two comedians, it was quite hilarious. It was. They were quite funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we really enjoyed it. Al Franken, somewhat like Hillary Clinton, uh, has served a term. I don't know why I just said somewhat like Hillary Clinton. I guess because we said, you know, pulling back the curtain. Oh. He, for the first time, this book that he's written, which is, he's written several books, but this one actually has some comedy involved with mm-hmm. it. And he told lots of hilarious stories of, yes. you know, being in the Senate. But he also talked about how he, he knew that it was going to be a struggle to have people take him seriously, both his constituency and the people he was trying to work with. Right, yeah. And so his first... Um, term he was committed to working as hard as he could and putting in as many hours as he could to yes. get the job done. Because as he said, no one does physical humor in the damn Senate. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I really, I love so many of the things he said, you know, and one of the things about being a politician is that you compromise. Being a politician is about compromising. And he said, you are not being responsible if you're not compromising. Yeah. And the obstructionists that are out there are not being responsible politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked a lot about Ted Cruz. Yes. He's like, I like Ted Cruz a little bit more than most of my colleagues. I think he was like, and I can't stand the And guy. I can't stand him, and I hate him. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally like mutilated that. that. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. We're not professional comedians. Yeah, that's for damn sure. <laughs> he was hilarious, yeah. I have to say. We laughed a lot. And it was actually kind of nice... A nice salve, is that the, how you say the word? To, yeah. to, like, the worry. It was nice to have, to hear someone who's on the inside actually trying to get work done in this crazy Absolutely. time we're going through. Yeah, you know? yeah. he talked a lot about the health care bill and said it's cruel. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's just plain cruel. He's like, it's unraveling people who are already unraveled. Mm-hmm. So, ugh. I think it'd be fun to read the book. We got yeah, we, got, we copies. got copies. They had copies of both of their books yeah. afterwards. Yeah, and I think Mark Maron's was called "Attempting Normal." Okay. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. No, no, that's a different one of his. The one we got is called "Waiting for the Punch: Words to Live By" from the WTF podcast. WTF okay. podcast is his podcast, and so I think it's it must be conversations he's had with the various people that have been on the podcast. I haven't had a chance to even crack the binding yet. Okay. We've, we yeah, have some stacks at home. Oh, so. my gosh. Yeah, like, okay, are we ready to move on from BEA? Yeah. Because I got home from BEA 
and took off the very next day for Massachusetts where my niece was graduating from college. So mm-hmm. I have like a hip high stack of books from BEA that I haven't been able to play with yet. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So but yeah, so um, Williams College is where my niece graduated from and their keynote speaker was Chimamanda Adichie. Yes. And she was brilliant. Mm. Um, the, the crowd was so enthusiastic for her. She was very funny um, and gave, I think, some really great advice to the students, especially the the women students, and Mm. that is to let your ambition show. Mm. She said so often young girls and women are not allowed to show their ambition. Mm. And she said, look what happens to women like Hillary Clinton who are ambitious. Mm -hmm. They are smacked down. They're destroyed. Mm. Or people try to destroy them anyway. And that's one thing I love about Hillary it's like, you know what, whatever you think about her, the woman has stamina. Oh, yeah. She keeps on ticking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, so Chimamanda's talk was wonderful, you know, and she was just surprisingly funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't really anticipate that much humor. Yeah, I have to say, because I've heard her speak many times, and it's usually very serious in nature, mm-hmm. so yeah. that's cool. And she, I mean, she approached her subject, her, her subject was very serious, but she appro- approached it with such warmth and humor. I mean, it was a commencement. Yeah, well, that's nice when speak. people remember yeah. that, yeah. you know, that it's a celebration. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. Uh, and all the people around us in the stands were just abuzz mm. with anticipating her talk and being mm. excited and taking pictures when she was speaking. So I hope to find a recording of it somewhere. And if I do, we'll post that in the show notes as yeah. well. I love listening to commencement speeches. And I love also how sometimes commencement speeches are bound and sold as little mm-hmm. short pieces, you yeah. know, because I think it's really fun to read them. They're usually very inspiring if done well. Oh, you know? And hers was done so well. Oh, nice. You know, she talked about her experience and, and being, it was at Williams College, which is, you know, the number one liberal arts college in the country right. and very, you know, privileged place to get your education. And she talked about what to do with that privilege, mm-hmm. to use that, to remember it, but to also keep in mind that you have it. Mm-hmm. You know, especially the white straight men mm-hmm. who have, you know, the, they're the triple threat. Right. Yeah, they then, own the world. And then they have that, that education. Yeah. So, but yeah. she, one of, one of the great things she said about that is that she's like, you know, straight white men need to be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I um, mean, as a mother of a, you know, straight white, now man, I mean, he's in his 20s. I always think of Gloria Steinem when she said the best thing that women can do for feminism is raise feminist men. Mm-hmm. So doing the best I can. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but good for her and good for you. I'm so glad you got to see her. I mean, sometimes graduations can be long and arduous, but not if there's a good speaker. Well, so. I think this was, you know, it was really, it was outside. Mm-hmm. It was the first time they had this in this new area that was kind of set up to be uh, mm-hmm. for graduation. And we were on bleachers, and it was really sunny mm. early in the morning. And I think going to be in the or low seventies or so. So we were. All, some people were starting to get a little pink, but mm-hmm. then the clouds came in and oh, it perfect. cooled off. Nice. So it was quite pleasant, Good. even when you're sitting on metal bleachers, yeah. to, you know, <laughs> for hours. Yeah. So then, then you got in a plane and went out to the West Coast. So do you want to regale us with the different yeah. stores you went to on the yeah. West Coast? Well, yeah, sure. We um, we flew into San Francisco and met up with our friends Jason and Matt, who are from Chicago. And we jumped in the car and drove up the coast yes. from San Francisco 
all the way up to Astoria. And then we kind of cut in from there to Portland, where we flew home from. So we did manage to go to three bookstores. We went to Godfather's Books and Espresso Bar in Astoria, mm. Oregon, which was a really cool bookstore. We we landed in that town. We, we spent the night in Cannon Beach, which we love. It's kind of like a very special place um, for Laura and me. Um, and it was great to take... Jason and Matt there. Jay, uh, Matt is a photographer, so he went gaga the, with the big haystack rocks yeah. and everything. Um, but then in Astoria, they wanted to go to the Oregon Film Museum. Oh, how fun. Which is there, and it's in a little old, a little prison that's no longer open. It was the, the jailhouse for the town. And the museum itself is dedicated mainly to Goonies, which was filmed there. I guess the opening scene of Goonies, and I don't remember if I saw that movie or not. I'll probably need to watch it. There's a jailbreak that happens, and it happens at that little jail. But and, and there are a lot of other films filmed in Oregon, and so it's kind of a tribute to them. But what was really cool about this was they had little studios set up with different backdrops where guests could film themselves doing little scenes. Uh So they had a backdrop for like The Shining. (laughs) There was one with a car chase where you're sitting in the car. And then another one where there's like this kitchen table with this creepy background um kind of just down on its luck kind of room so I to bet say Laura had a oh blast. my god we totally had a blast like jason and laura did one for the shining and then laura and matt did one in a car chase they were they were <laughs> people who escaped from the renaissance fair who were being chased by police so it's all like it's a green screen right and then you can pick what what you wanted follow oh, chasing you or whatever god. so they pick the police and then Jason and I did one. And do you get like a little thumb drive with it or you, you email it to yourself? You e- can email it to yeah. yourself. So what you do then after you film everything and you can zoom in and move the camera a little mm-hmm. bit. And I think it was a, a minute or two time limit for each scene. So it was pretty short. Then you could go into the editing room and view things and then mail it oh, to how you. fun. Yeah. That's awesome. So we have the links to that. So I'm sure Laura will edit little snippets yes. together. <laughs> So that was a lot of fun. Um, And then we walked around town and went to Godfather's, which was a bookstore they sell new and used. I had a great selection, and they definitely won the award for the cutest section shelf labels, I should say, section shelf labels, because they were on little Scrabble stands with Scrabble tiles spelling. Oh, that's adorable. The section, yeah. It was totally adorable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they had bigger signs on the ceilings and everything. But wonderful selection of books, new and used, like I said. Yeah. It didn't get coffee, though. No. But there's the cutest puppy in the store. Oh. You don't Just see so that adorable. many dogs. And McQueen no. and Eakin in Petoskey, they have a cute dog. But usually yeah. they're cats or what you right. think of. Yeah. You know. But yeah, this little, well, this little puppy, I don't think he, I think it was the, the bookseller who was working. I think it was her daughter's dog oh. who was stopping in to visit. Oh, okay. I don't think he was like. The bookstore dog. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it was great to stop in. And then, of course, when we went to Portland, we hit Powell's, mm-hmm. which I love. I've been there several times. And I think I appreciate it more and more each time I go. I, I think it's because you cannot, like the first time it was like, you know, music was going off in my head and I was a little overwhelmed, yeah. you know, and I think each successive time that I go, I can just appreciate it and go to a section mm-hmm. and enjoy myself instead of feeling You have to do everything. Yeah, yeah, but I also do feel like I do better in that store looking for particular things. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best browser when there's endless you know, mm-hmm. supply. Yeah. I'm a little overwhelmed. So. Yeah, I had a couple things in mind mm-hmm. to get. 
And they really redid the front area, too, yes. since I've been there last. Yeah. So much more open. I have to say I was a little disappointed because the front section used to have a corner that was all debut fiction, which is one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. And that was gone, and they had kind of new releases, mm-hmm. but not the debut corner, which I had spent a lot of time in my first time there. Yeah. That would but, be you know, No need to complain. I'm just uh, saying right, it yeah. was different. You know? Yeah. No, I really I enjoy their literature section mm-hmm. and the mystery section. Those are probably the two sections I spent the most time in this visit. Oh, nice. And then the other bookstore we hit was um, Green Bean Books. Oh. which is a kid's bookstore. Oh, it, it's in, I can't remember the name of the area, but it was like the artsy district. Mm. Uh, we just went and we were walking around and stopping in, in galleries and shops and whatnot. And Jason's a grade school teacher. Oh, perfect. And who doesn't love kids books? Yeah. So we went in there and just had a wonderful time, a great visit. And they had their, they have a story time with the drag queen. Oh. And they just they had their first one and it was such a nice day. It was out on their they have a nice little deck oh, nice. that's attached. And they said he said they had a great turnout. It was their first one, so nice. Story time with the drag queen. Who knew? Yeah. That's awesome. And I what did I pick up there? I picked up the book that I mentioned in the last episode about I think was it twenty three influential LGBT people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I picked up a copy of that there. Great. We'll put the actual full title in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, in the show notes. Author, yeah. editor, or whatever. Author, editor. Yeah. Editor, yeah. Editor, yeah. Yeah, really wonderful store. Check it out. If you're into kids' books, they have everything nice. from picture books up until YA. And they did have a little section with some adult. Well, they had parenting books, and then but they did have, like, maybe two small shelves of adult fiction. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And they had, they had some really good selections in there. I wonder yeah. how they chose. That's hard if you only have two shelves I know. to fill. Yeah. Interesting. It was some contemporary stuff, like like Homegoing mm-hmm. from Yagi Yasi, which I love that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great book. I almost bought a copy. <laughs> but, you know, because I read the library <laughs> yeah. copy, and it's yeah. a book I want to read again, yeah. and, but I'm thinking, like, my suitcase. Yeah. Yeah. Books at home. I know. When my son Jacob was at my house, he said, Mom, I think you need an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> and that was before Book, book Expo. Yeah, Book Expo. Expo. So crazy. Yeah. yeah, time to do a big call because I certainly yeah. don't have any sh- shelf space left. Yeah. left. Like, it's gone. Yeah, it's, yeah. But, yeah. It's oh, no, I'm down to all my Book Expo books are on one of my office desks. Oh, oh. I'm out of shelf space. Oh, yeah, mine is yeah. gone. My Book yeah. Expo books are on the floor. Yeah. And I have piles. I'm a piler, mm. though. You know, Laura helped me identify that. Because at first, <laughs> when we first started living together, she's kind of like, we could put the books on the shelf, you know? Yeah. I was like, yeah. And, but now, you know, 16 years later, <laughs> she's, she's helped up. me embrace that I'm a piler. And so And she's we actually, also made sure you live with an office, a room with an right, office. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But she's helped me kind of situate things so that I have oh, room okay. to stack. Oh, nice. You know, which yeah. is kind of cool. And actually, my sister-in-law has these really cool bookshelves that are vertical. It's a bookshelf uh-huh. that's vertical. Oh. And, and so you have one strip of books. Oh, that's and interesting. And it's really neat. So we're going to get one of those, too. And do you like, like stacking because then you can stack, like, similar books together? Is there a reason for the stack? In yes. They're, usually what happens when, a new, when new books come into the house, they go in a stack in their own little area because I kind of okay. like to keep them together. And we're talking, like, if I go on a you know, like book barn or book something, barn or something. Okay. right? And I come home with like five or six books. Okay. I want to have them all there together. Because for a while I was writing in each book where I got it and when, oh, or I'm putting nice. a sticky note I in there at least. Yeah, because if I don't do that, then I'll think like, 
I don't remember what books came in. Right, and you write about it on your blog. Right, yeah. So you want to be able to say, you know, where you got it. Yeah. And then sometimes books will be together because I might be interested in a certain writer or a certain area. So I might pull the books from Mm -hmm. my shelves that are related and then they sit there. I see. I just like stacks. They make me happy. Yeah, go for them. And it could be from being a bookseller too because there's stacks of books everywhere. And Mm. I know sometimes when... We'd hire booksellers who were new to the industry. They would be like, oh, my God, the books are on the floor. Uh, you know, like they'd be like, can't have books on the floor. Yeah. You know, because it is such a – so many people respect books and mm-hmm. revere them. It's like they're not to be on the floor. You yeah. know, they're supposed to be on the shelf or on a table in a position of honor. Yeah. So, oh, that's yeah. funny. And that was interesting, too, speaking of that, because I know uh, it wasn't the Bible. It was a religious book that had to be on the top shelf. Hmm. I don't, I don't remember which religious book that was, hmm. but one of them. But they, they tried to do that for a while. I don't think it always worked out. Hmm. Wow. Stacking huh. books. So are you done with your adventures on the West Coast, or did you get uh, more? Well, that, that was the main thing. Oh, and when I was at Powell's, Lisa Coe was there that night. Oh, how Who fun. wrote The Leavers, who we've talked about And we saw here. at Booktopia. Yeah. We rolled into town. I don't really remember what time. It might have been like four. And, you know, we were kind of beat. And then I wanted to rest before dinner. And we were hungry, too. So I didn't go to her event. Mm. But it was cool to know she was there. Yeah. And it was wonderful to see her name on the marquee. Oh. She's she's on a big book tour. She's covering some territory. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, she was just at Printer's Row in Chicago. Well, you were in Portland, Oregon. I went to Portland, Maine. Yeah. Tell us about that. And, um... I went to Bath, Maine. I have a very good uh, friend whose son moved there. And the son is actually one of my son, Jacob's best friend. And he was like a second son to me all the years my kids were growing up. And this is the second time I've been to Bath. And I've tried to go. There's this cute, adorable little bookstore on the corner in this really, with these really beautiful kind of curved glass windows Mm called Library Bookstore. And oh, cool. last year when I was there in August, it was closed. And this year I arrive and I try to go and it's closed. Mm. And then the second day I was in May Bath, I walked up and it was open. I was oh, so great. thrilled to see the open sign. And it's right next door to the beautiful public library, which is called Peyton Library. And so I um, queried them when I went inside, the, the woman who was working the register. And it's all volunteer-run bookstore it's all donated books, very beautifully curated. I mean, they even had, like, Michael Chabon's newest book, Moon Glow, which mm. just came out not oh. that long ago. And all the books were, like, $5, $4. And she said all of the money goes to the library. That's great. So I really was glad. Third time's the charm. I got in the door. <laughs> really sweet. Um, I took a nice picture of it, and I'll put that. I, I have some updating to do on our website of our, our Biblio adventures. And I'll try to get that. I think I did post it maybe on Facebook or Twitter. But mm-hmm. um, And I bought, what did I buy there? Oh, I bought Plain Song by Kent Haruf, oh, which cool. has been on my want-to-read list forever. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that. And then we were in Damariscada, Maine, and we went to the Maine Coast Bookshop and Cafe, which touts itself as the oldest bookstore in Maine. Mm-hmm. I didn't fact-check that, but that is what they say about themselves. And it was a beautiful store, very big, lots of cool, like they had a really nice main section. I always like it when there's a, you know, the, the 
state you're in, they have a nice local section. They had a ton of Linda Greenlaw's books, who we just talked about. And Linda Greenlaw had been there at 10 that morning. And it was, I think, (laughs) 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock. We just missed her. So I'm not kidding when I say I was chasing Linda Greenlaw the whole time. And then um, from there, I went. I had to drop a friend off at the Portland airport, and I've been wanting to get to Print Bookstore, which mm-hmm. opened, I want to say, in the last Pretty recently. year. Yeah. And um, it's a beautiful store. I have to admit something a little embarrassing, which was I really needed to use the bathroom because I'd been driving for a while. They don't have a restroom. So they told me I could go across the street, and I was like, yeah, I had to get home and get to work because I'd been playing for (laughs) a long time. And um, so I just decided I'm just going to browse and, you know, figure that out after. Um, And so I think I maybe would have stayed a little bit longer, but it's really beautiful. Um, It's not very big, but it's really well done. The book um, shelves are on wheels, so they explain to me how they kind of move things around to, to get, they can get about 80 people in for an event. Nice. I bought a very nice collection of poetry that I had never seen that yeah, was that sold to really me good. because of the shelf talker yes. that was on it. Yeah, who the guy said it was written by a man, I think, and it, yeah. that it turned him on to poetry. What was it? Yeah, that, it was this was bad. the book that made them fall in love with poetry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what the shelf talker said. And I met one of the owners. That, there are two people who own the store. And um, he was telling me that I, they're either the third or fourth bookstore in Portland. I can't remember exactly. And... Because there are so many bookstores, they felt like they were confident that they could be somewhat political in nature Mm -hmm. and still be successful. So they, like, for example, he said they had in the winter or sometime in the um, early spring or winter a day that all a percentage of the proceeds of the day's sales went to the ACLU mm. and it was their biggest sales day yet. That's great. And, um, and they had a really cool display in the front of LGBTQ literature and sidelines and stuff. So that was cool. Um, it was very well curated. I spent quite a bit of time actually in the main poetry section and I thought I was going to buy a book of main poets and then, but then I saw this other one. So, yeah. Um, I liked Portland a lot. I'd like to go back and just visit there. I haven't mm-hmm. spent time there in years, and I think it's changed quite a bit. It's kind of, it's almost a little bit like a hip town now, like Portland, Oregon. It's known as a pretty cool food town, and that was, I was at, I, I had two stops I wanted to make, and I was giving myself about an hour to get back in the car, and the other stop was this restaurant called Honey Paw, mm-hmm. which I had read about in the Times and mm-hmm. really wanted to go to, so I hit both of them. And it was really fun. Awesome. A little jaunt. Sounds great. Yeah. 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 Cool. I missed my cougar, though. <laughs> I've only been to Portland, Oregon once. I mean, I've kind of, like, driven through yeah. more yeah. recently. But um, we were there one time, like, 16 years ago or so. Totally different. Yeah. Because I was as well. Yeah. yeah. It's really gotten quite hip. So, um, any upcoming jaunts? I only have one. Well, I'll be going to see Linda Greenlaw this Wednesday at RJ Julia. That's the plan. Tell her I'm still chasing her. I will. I'll try and get a picture. (laughs) Maybe I'll take your picture and say, Linda, can you take a picture of me and my cougar? A little flat Stanley moment. (laughs) Um, I'm going to try to go, and I I don't know if you want to, I think actually you maybe even told me about this, on June 29th at the Wesleyan RJ Julia week. Wiki Wang, is that how you say your name? The oh, author of the book Chemistry. Chemistry, yeah. There. When was that again? June 29th. June 29th. I need to put that on the calendar because yeah. that book sounds really fascinating. That's yeah. another one Anne talked about. Yes. When she yeah. was on episode 
was it 15, 15 maybe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, so I'm hoping maybe we can do a joint job. Yeah, maybe we could do another work day at the library, the That'd Russell Library. Cool. Yeah, because I really don't want to travel for a long time. I know. Like, I'm just so happy to be home. And I'm heading to Ohio on Thursday, <laughs> <Are> you? <laughs> you know, for a few days to see a very, very dear friend. And then I'm trying to commit to July and August, like, being at home. Because yeah. I have had the jets on, man, for yeah. the last month. It's been yeah. hellaciously busy yeah. for spring. Yeah, yeah. 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 In a good way. Yeah, no, and all good, <laughs> all good. Yeah. But yeah. So upcoming reads. Oh yeah, upcoming reads. Here you were recording at the library again today, right. and I picked up two holes that came in while I was away. The first is Fox Low, F O X L O W E, by Eleanor Wasserberg, and this one, I think, Simon from the readers mentioned oh, okay. this book. Maybe it was on his blog. I'm not sure. I think it has a little bit of a gothic feel if I'm thinking of the right book. So that one came in. That might happen. You know, I also have all of the book expo books. <laughs> um, and then the other book I picked up today is The Standard Grand by J. Baron Nicorvo. And this book I was turned on to by the Northshire Bookstore's email that they sent out. Um, they send it, I think it's a weekly email, and they always feature a book, and this one sounded really good. It's um, about an army trucker who goes AWOL before her third deployment. And, mm. yeah, she ends up sleeping in Central Park, and she meets a Vietnam vet, blah, blah, blah. So wow. it sounded really interesting. So those are two potential nice. upcoming reads. I have two from Book Expo. Okay. I left my library card at home today. I was like, <laughs> you are not bringing another book into the house, girl. So um, my two are The Immortalist by Chloe Benjamin, which was, has now been mentioned several times. Yeah. This is the one that Michael talked about. Um, and then An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. Um, she's someone that I met at my very first Booktopia mm-hmm. in Santa Cruz, California. And um, I don't think this book comes out for quite some time. But if you're interested in reading her, which I highly recommend... The book that she was at um, Booktopia with was called Silver Sparrow, and it was really well-written and very interesting. It's about a man who ha- is married and has a daughter, but then also has a, a mistress and a daughter on the side. Hmm. And it's from the perspective of what it's like to be one of the daughters that really has her father in her life full-time, and one of the daughters that's the other, you know. Interesting. Um, so... Um, I'm really looking forward to getting back into her writing because that was five years ago now. And and I follow her on Facebook, so I've been following the progress of this novel, you know, so it's really exciting to have it in my hands. And I got to see her at Book Expo, and she signed it. And funny little story, too. (laughs) Our mutual friend Russell happened to text me and say... I mean, he he was envious, of course, of because we were tweeting and posting on Facebook all of our exploits at Book Expo, and he said... If there is any way you could get me a copy of Tyari Jones' new book, An American Marriage, and I rounded the corner, literally, there she was. And so I texted him and said, you mean her? Yeah, you know? within seconds. It was like, <laughs> yeah. done. And I had it signed, and it's already been mailed to him. So that was a funny little moment. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, I'm, what I'm actually looking forward to is getting on the plane on Thursday with a book, because mm-hmm. I feel like I have not had much quiet reading time. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I know. I'm looking forward to reading time as well, because I... We took the red eye back, and I I actually slopped nice. more than I read. So, yeah. yeah. Well, um, 
This has gone very long, you guys, but we had a lot to cover. All right. All right, everybody. Happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks, as always, for listening. Yeah, and if you're looking for us, you can find us on Twitter at Book Cougars, Facebook at Book Cougars. If you have anything you want to share, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. And if you're listening to us on iTunes and like to leave a review, we'd appreciate it. It helps other people find us. Thanks, everybody. Happy reading, everybody. Bye. Wow!